What's up, everybody? My name is Keisha. I'm a fitness, nutrition, and mindset coach, and this is the Motivated and Mindful Podcast. I have spent the last 10 years optimizing every aspect of my lifestyle from health, happiness, well being, all the way to my mindset, and I continue to learn more every single day. So I created this podcast to share all of my findings with you so that you can start to live your best life. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Motivated and Mindful podcast. We are back with another episode, and I'm really excited about this one because my dear friend from childhood, one of my earliest way back when friends, Claire, is here, and we're going to be talking about self-care Claire is amazing in the process of becoming a life and creativity coach, and she's got two little adorable children, husband, family, work, so she's doing it all, balancing it all, and so we're going to talk about how that's possible, um, what the struggles have been, and hopefully give you guys some good self-care tips and tricks. So Claire, do you want to tell us your story? Yes. Thank you so much, Keisha, for having me. This is such an honor, and I'm so excited to be here with you and so proud of your journey um, and all that you are doing at the moment as well. Uh, This is a really fun collaboration for me, so thank you for letting me be here. Um, So when we decided to talk about self-care together, this was really important to me because I am in the process of still healing and recovering from a really hard period in my life that happened last year when I was um, postpartum with my youngest son, who just turned one last week. So I kind of had this physical and emotional meltdown um, last October, and I just sort of hit a rock bottom that I had never even knew I had. I sort of got to this place where I was really kind of in crisis. And um, instead of just turning towards uh, Western medicine, I decided that this was an opportunity for me to kind of really change my life and change the way that I live so that I was setting myself up to succeed and um, being a healthy person in my whole entire health, my well-being in my body and my physical state, mental state, spiritual state. So, um, I realized that self-care practices were the way through and, and started me on my journey to healing. And it really kind of reiterated for me that self-care isn't an option. It is essential to everyone's um, well-being in life and, and living a positive and healthy uh, experience. And I'm so excited and passionate to talk about this because it just reaffirms to me that self-care is so vital and so crucial and it's something you have to ingrain in your everyday life and you and prioritize to really ensure that you are living your best life and then also able to support and empower others to practice their own self-care and and live their best lives as well so yeah I'm excited to be here with you Keisha thank you for giving me the space to talk and learn from you yeah and vice versa I mean It's definitely difficult being a woman and trying to juggle it all because I think there are just some inherent responsibility. You know, things are changing, but a lot of inherent responsibilities, as I'm sure you know, that kind of fall on your shoulders. And we'll talk more about that as we get as we get deeper into into the the topic today. But I also thought it would be great to talk a little bit about our friendship story because, you know, we met 
and we kind of grew up together and mm-hmm. have seen each other through a lot of different life stages. And so I, the listeners might be interested to know how our friendship has evolved. Absolutely. Uh, I was trying to remember how long we've known each other. It's going to date us, but I, I think we met in middle school when we were probably like 11 or 12. So that's more than half our life that yeah. we've known each other and um, consider one another very, very strong and close friends. Um, we went to middle school together and had a friend group and we ended up going to high school together and also went to college in a similar location, different schools. But we really transitioned through, you know, being young girls to becoming teenagers and young women and then also leaving home for the first time, which was really exciting to um, know that we had each other in the vicinity when we needed, you know, a a taste of home or um, just someone to talk to through those transitions. And uh, I think, Keisha, you and I have always had this shared history that bonded us, but also just knew we really had a deep connection. We loved each other and we were so supportive, even though our paths took very different directions and um, stayed in touch over the years. And it's been really such a joy for me to reconnect with you lately and talk about some of these important topics that we both really care about and are kind of trying to carve out in the work that we do in our professions and our careers as well. Yeah, it's interesting how you know, we spent a lot of time together and then slowly, gradually spent more time apart, but still feel like we have so much in common. And I think because we spent such formative years together, we just really identify with each other and relate to each other, even still in adulthood, which is so cool to see. And yeah, I think we we had kind of joked about just how strange we were <laughs> as students. <laughs> And, you know, I think it's important to mention because we can get away from that. I know I found myself in adulthood getting away from how spastic and ridiculous I was as a child. And we need that sense of play in our lives. You know, we need that sense of relief from always being serious, always being focused. And I just really cherish those memories and the, the absolutely ridiculous things that we did on a day-to-day basis totally we were weirdos but we owned it and um I I I couldn't agree with you more I feel like becoming a mom I've been able to put that play back in my life in everyday moments and it's been so joyful for me and um it actually reminds me a lot of you and the time we spent together as kids of just being kind of silly and ridiculous and not taking ourselves too seriously just to live life to the fullest really yeah Okay, so (laughs) let's talk about self-care a little bit more. Um, I think this is such a great topic. Everybody, it's a hot topic. I think it has been for Mm -hmm. a couple years as wellness and well-being have been and what that actually means to people. So I thought it would be good for us to share the actual dictionary definition of self-care, and then we can talk about what it means to us. But one of the dictionary definitions Of course, there are multiple, but the one that we found was the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health, the practice of taking an active role, I think that's a key word, active, in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. And then I added the word restore just as a reminder here because it's, it's about restoration and it's not necessarily about, like it says here, being passive and just letting things happen to you, but intentionally doing things that are going to restore your well-being after 
perhaps a stressful event or just after daily life, which has its natural stressors, which are not inherently bad. That's just a part of life, but we have to manage that. We can't always be go, go, go. We have to come back down and restore. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And for me, I also wanted to just highlight that self-care isn't a luxury or an option. It's, it's essential to our life. It's um, about finding the right combination of practices, habits, routines, inner dialogue that we can share and provide to ourselves that really take care of our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. And I love that idea of restore because it's recharging our batteries in a really meaningful way so that we can continue to keep getting up every day and keep going and, and hopefully stay happy or just deal with the challenges as they arise from a place of balance instead of a place of, um, you know, fear or emptiness or uh, scarcity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love what you said earlier about touching that, you know, self-care seems to be a bit of like a, a rage right now, a fad. And for me, it's, um, it's so much deeper than that. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle because we have to make this choice to, fill up our cups and and put our best self out there and uh, take the time to restore and recharge ourselves to do that. Yeah. I love what you said about it not being an option for you. It's Mm -hmm. a necessity. Like, and, and sometimes you're going to talk about how you got to this point, but sometimes you have to realize that the hard way. Um, You know, you know that deep down, everybody kind of knows we should be taking better care of ourselves, but we're not doing it until it's too late. And I've definitely experienced this recently in the past couple of weeks, which (laughs) we can talk about, but you know, if you can get in front of it, if you could get ahead of it, then you don't have to get to that point, which would be ideal. But sometimes you have to learn, you know, you have to learn your lesson in a way. And then you did also mention coming at the things that you're experiencing from a place of balance. What does balance mean to you, because I think that that's another buzzword, like balance, mm. balance, but nobody really knows what balance looks like. Yeah, and I totally agree. And I also would say, like, I think that's the question every person has to ask themselves, uh, because balance for me looks really different um, and is more of an internal dialogue with myself than it is of what people might perceive or, you know, notice me doing. So, great question. I think I would put it back out there to all the listeners to ask what does balance mean for you. But um, for me, it's really about making sure that I can be as present as possible. So whether it's, you know, during my work hours, when I'm focusing on my work, or during my um, time off of work, when I'm with my family, just being really present with them. Um, And so I notice when I'm out of balance is when I start to let my thoughts or my worries overtake and take me away from the present moment. And that's when I know I need to clue in and say like, what's going on? How am I recharging? How am I making sure I'm taking care of myself so that I don't get to these kind of feelings of panic or anxiety or stress that overtake my daily moments of what I normally have as joy. Um, And it's really hard. It's a learning curve, right? I have definitely not found the formula or the solution, but I'm working on engaging with myself more to ask these questions and to internally reflect, to figure out like what kind of balance 
if you know I'm starting to feel low energy, maybe I need to go take a nap instead of going and running around and doing errands and just kind of checking in with myself to figure out like what does balance for me mean in that moment and how can I best take care of myself to find it. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's going to look so different for different people. And one thing we'll key in on a lot is that you have to learn how to be self-aware. Self-awareness is going to be a really big component of self-care because you need to know what balance feels like. And to, to me, balance is feeling good. What makes you feel good? And discovering what that is and where, where that is, you know, on the spectrum of your mood and your feelings and your energy levels and what you can do to bring yourself back to that place where you feel good. So it's a process for sure to, to understand all of it, but it's worth putting in the time and putting in that mental effort of becoming more self-aware. Agreed. A hundred percent. Okay. And then as far as self-care for me, I 100% agree with everything that you said. I think I'm really big on it being intentional, it being something that you do, not something, as I mentioned before, that happens to you. Also really big on setting boundaries. I know that saying no can be really difficult for a lot of people. I'm not necessarily one of those people. <laughs> In fact, I might swing on the other side of it where I say no maybe too much. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but, um, but just, you know, again, coming back to knowing what's going to feel good and anticipating how you're going to feel in the future also, because sometimes you can say yes to something in the moment and then the future comes and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, so anticipating how it's going to feel, knowing what makes you feel good and trying to align what you do and say with that as much as possible. And also just being really clear on what you value and what's important to you and what you want to prioritize in your life and in your day. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love this focus of being active. I think you are so right, Keisha, that this isn't something that will just inherently come to us. Sometimes we think happiness just like we're lucky and it happens to us and it's the opposite, right? We, we find our luck. We find our happiness by actively pursuing and taking care of ourselves and, you know, um, making sure we're ready to go chase what, what we love and want in our life. Yeah. And I think one thing that I wanted to add about that as well is that you want to think about your nervous system, like to get into a little bit of the science here, you have your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. Your parasympathetic nervous system is what we're trying to activate with self-care. This is what calms you down. This is what lowers your heart rate, your blood pressure, your breathing, and it puts your body into a state of actual physical calm versus sitting and watching Netflix and drinking wine, those are actually stressors. The screen is a stressor, alcohol is a stressor. So people think of that as self-care, but it's physically, physiologically not self-care. <laughs> we are trying to combat all of the stressors of life, combat the cortisol that you're releasing from just like go, go, go with deeper breathing, with slowing your heart rate, with those physiological responses. So that's just one thing I wanted to throw in there as like a very common misconception. And I think it's something that as an adult, I didn't even realize. Um, so I'm so glad you brought up the nervous system because this has been a huge, my understanding of 
tapping in and listening to what my body is telling me is something I've had to learn as an adult. And it's been um, absolutely life-changing. And it's also, as you said, really impacted the way that I learn what self-care means for me. Um, Because watching and binging on a Netflix show is wonderful and something I like to do, but not when it's numbing my body, not when it's just distracting me from what's really going on inside. Um, I'd rather spend that time by myself to just think and let my body feel what it needs to, to get to a better place than watching a show or reading a book or distracting myself to calm down. Yeah, for sure. And so on the same topic of what self-care is versus is not, what are some of the things that you don't identify as self-care? Yeah, this is important to, to what we talked about earlier of like thinking of this kind of fad or, you know, um, in the media, like this, you know, attention to self-care and what that looks like. I'm putting that in air quotes because I think, again, you have to decide what that, what self-care looks like for you. And so for me, this has been a journey of figuring out like, why am I doing what I'm doing and and how am I avoiding things that I'm just supposed to do? Or I've been told it works for friends and family, like dieting or doing yoga or um, going on a retreat. These are things that people have told me, like, why don't you try those? And I have, but I've also realized I had to come to trying new things for myself and not just trying them to think that just because it worked for one person, it would work for me. Um, So I really believe that, you know, self-care isn't a one-size-fits-all. I think we each have to take the time to discover, like, what resonates with us in our bodies and our minds. Um, And that this can change over time, too. What you need right now may look different than what you need in a year or five years or um, tomorrow, even, right? Our body and our needs change a little bit with time. So I think it's important to stay flexible and open to both trying new things and also, um, you know, realizing that your needs will change and evolve probably. Yeah. And then I think also something self-care is not, is just focusing on one part of yourself. I think you need to look at this holistic vision of, am I I taking care of my physical body? Am I Um, also taking care of my spiritual needs, my mental needs, my um, emotional needs. I don't think it has to just be something where you just focus on your emotional health, but ignore your body or vice versa. Um, I really think of it as this kind of bigger picture. How am I taking care of my entire needs as as a human and as a spiritual being in the world? Yeah, that is such a good point. There's so many categories or facets of life that we have to be looking at. And there's a great analogy of, of like a stove and burners and each part of your life being a burner and having more than four, four burners, obviously. But when something is turned up, something else is kind of turned down, but nothing is ever turned off is the idea. So you've got to kind of manage all of these things and something might get more of your attention than something else, but it doesn't mean you're completely ignoring the other thing. And you kind of just adjust based on where you're at and what you feel like you need the most. I love that visual. That, that is such a perfect metaphor for 
this philosophy of kind of taking care of all parts of yourself, um, depending on whatever is, you know, literally cooking at the moment. <laughs> um, and also I just wanted to say, cause I think this is really important. Self-care is not something for me that I have um, come to realize that I need to apologize for. It's not, it's not saying, um, oh, I really need to do this thing and I'm sorry. It's, it's giving yourself the space to say this is important and people in my life who love me and support me will respect that I need to do this. And I think you hit on this a little bit when we were starting to talk about saying no, because I think often in life we're expected to potentially always say yes to things. And so for some of us, saying no is something that you should be able to do and you, you shouldn't even have to apologize for it per se. Um, because while you're on one of the spectrum, Keisha, I'm kind of on the other where I'm, I'm constantly saying yes to things that I should actually take more time to think a little bit about and say possibly no to sometimes. Yeah. And for people who struggle to say no, I think my biggest tip and would love to hear yours because this is something you're actively working through. But my mm -hmm. biggest tip is just to remember that your best self is what the world needs. So if saying yes is, is keeping you from being your best self, is, is keeping you from showing up as fully as you potentially could, then it's in everybody's best interest for you to say no. And just remembering, making that little mindset uh, shift when you're making decisions. It's hard to remember in the moment, but again, that's where self-awareness starts to come into play. But it's, yeah, something to, if you've spent your whole life saying yes, going to take time to switch that it's not immediate I couldn't agree more with you yeah. okay let's talk about some of the warning signs so we've talked about what self-care is what it's not uh, we've talked about kind of how to become well not how to but the fact that you will need to become more self-aware is the first step and then how do you recognize when you need to take better care of yourself yeah, that's such a great question. And again, this is something I encourage listeners to ask yourself because I think it's very dependent on your lifestyle and your needs and who you are as a person. But um, I'll speak for myself. I certainly, you know, saw the warning signs or see the warning signs in my life um, of when I'm really, really tired, just fatigue emotionally and physically. Uh, feeling uncomfortable, starting to forget to eat or missing meals. Or on the flip side, sometimes I do some emotional eating where I end up eating to comfort myself instead of eating to nourish my body. Um, and then on the flip side of feeling really tired, sometimes I have all this pent-up energy and it comes out at the wrong time. Like in the middle of the night, my mind is racing and I wish, you know, during the day I had just gone for a walk and gotten some of that like physical energy out of my body so it doesn't keep me awake and buzzing. Um, and then on the topic of sleep, certainly this is a challenge for me as a mother, but also just as an adult, I um, not getting enough sleep and or having trouble falling asleep is usually a sign that, you know, I need to tap in, figure out what's going on and probably do some self-care to really process or let go of whatever's kind of racing in my head that's keeping me from going to sleep or falling asleep um, and staying asleep. 
And then as a mom, I feel like it's been really important for me to not feel guilty or shame when I have these feelings of just really needing to be by myself, of just craving alone time because I love my beautiful family and my beautiful children, but I can be my best self with them when I also have some time apart so that I can just really focus on myself and my needs. And um, this is kind of up for me when I sort of realize I need to take a little break. And maybe it's just five minutes um, or maybe it's this feeling of like, maybe I need to have a day by myself for a little bit. Um, but certainly knowing and seeing the warning signs of, me getting to a place where I'm getting a little on edge um, has made me realize that this is this means I need some alone time. That's such a good point. And I, I just, as I'm listening to you, it's, I'm sure, really challenging to feel like you have lives dependent on you, but at the same time, you have to balance how to take care of yourself so that you can still provide for them and be the best mom, but they have immediate needs that also need attention. So I yeah. can see how that is difficult to navigate or would be difficult to navigate. Thank you. Yeah, it's very challenging. Like I said, there's no, I haven't figured out the formula yet, but when I do, I'll, I'll share it widely because uh, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to simultaneously feel like you're literally caring and nourishing others for their survival, but also needing to do that for yourself. Yes. And I think you, you made a really good point of it being something that's fluid, it being something that changes. And you may never find the formula. I think that's like the question, right? Especially for moms in the world. Like, how do you do it all? <laughs> I don't know if anybody's found the formula or will ever, but just doing your best to be cognizant of what's going on and what you could potentially do to improve every single day is like the best we can do at any point with anything, you know? Totally. Um, I agree. And then I think for me, uh, I noticed that it's time for some self-care when I'm feeling a lot of anxiety, feeling very overwhelmed, you know, like you mentioned, very low energy um, and, and just not being able to feel as happy as I usually do. When I start to feel like my mood is affected, I definitely know that it's time for some self-care. Like I'm just irritable, like you mentioned, feeling mm -hmm. on edge. Everything is upsetting me. Everything's making me angry. Um, and that's when it's like, okay, I need to just take a step back and, and really focus. But I think most recently, I alluded to this earlier in the podcast, I have discovered I was never a workaholic until I started my own business. And then mm -hmm. it became addicting, like kind of obsessive. And I can be obsessive about things, but work was never one of those things. <laughs> it was always like, yeah, that's somebody else's dream. I'll put in work, I'll work hard, but I don't obsess about it like I have my business. And I realized after a year of not really committing as well to self-care as I should have, mm. not saying I just disregarded it, but I noticed I'm starting to get sick more often. I noticed mm. that and I don't get sick very often. So that to me is a big red flag. Okay, Keisha, you really need to implement some boundaries around your own business, around your own working yeah. hours. You can't just work, 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 even though you enjoy it, even though it doesn't feel like work, 
it still is work. And so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. something that I've had to come to terms with like last week. <laughs> and I'm so proud of you for getting to that point because I absolutely agree. I think work is something that hopefully we love doing or drives us and makes us want to be our best selves. But yes, you're right. We still have to find the right balance or boundaries to make sure that we are really, again, taking care of that whole self that our, our burners are, you know, not all just focused on one area or one piece of who we are. Yeah. And it's kind of the learning the hard way, (laughs) but whatever it takes. Um, Okay. And I think we also wanted to acknowledge just that sometimes, you know, you notice some warning signs and it's something that you can self-manage, but sometimes there is professional help that would really benefit a certain situation, a certain person, whatever may be going on. And so we definitely want to be clear that professional help is available. And if it's something that you even think may be needed, it's something to definitely explore. Um, And some of the things that we've tried in the past for myself has been family therapy, uh, a lot younger, talk space more recently, which I really enjoy because it makes therapy more accessible in Mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily need to go into the office. You can Uh, talk to your therapist via text. You can talk to your therapist via video chat. So it's, it's flexible that way. Um, But those and and medication also has Mm -hmm. been something that, that I've definitely tried, not currently taking anymore, but it is good to explore other options and see what's available. Yeah, I totally agree. I I have utilized uh, talk therapy at different points in my life. That is very healing and very helpful. Um, and probably will again sometime in the future. Um, and some other things that you and I had talked about too was uh, body work, you know, some energy work or finding practitioners who really support you to kind of um, heal your body and your spiritual, emotional selves. Um, and, and also just the importance of asking for help from your community too, whatever that may look like. Um, this is a big challenge for me asking for help, but that's also something I've learned as part of my self-care process is that when I try to take on too much myself, I can actually reach out to people who really care about me and my family and, and have them help me in certain ways uh, when they feel that they can. Yeah. And I definitely agree and, and try to take on too much myself too. I internalize a lot. And I think one tip that I wanted to share for people who may internalize too much or have a tendency to take on too much is to establish a breaking point, you know, and kind of just like we talked about warning signs, just being self-aware around how you feel and where you're at. And if you are getting close to reaching that breaking point, at least you know where that line is and then you know it's time to reach out versus just waiting until you have the breakdown. Yes. I literally had that life realization last year. <laughs> it's, and it's painful. It's hard. And like you said earlier, you, you learn from these scenarios. Um, I, I love this saying, I'm not going to say it quite right, but I love this saying that life keeps giving you the challenges that uh, you can work through, right? Everything that comes to you in life, 
that's really hard and difficult is there for a reason. So we're meant to learn, we're meant to evolve, we're meant to keep um, progressing. And so I love this idea of it's not really a mistake if you learn from it, if you turn it into a lesson. And I think this is so uh, essential in our self-care practice to understand that um, it's really about tuning in. It's really about listening to ourselves so that we don't reach those breaking points um, quite as often or quite as hard or hopefully just never get there again if we if we really take the time to listen to ourselves. Yeah, I was nodding my head ferociously <laughs> because I am such a huge believer of, you know, the hard things are there for a reason and where we are meant to experience them. And if if you're always just complaining about how hard something is, yeah, it's hard, but can you think of it as an opportunity for growth? Can you think of it as this is put into my life as something I need to overcome, as something I need to learn from? What is the lesson? And, and that's how you, how you look at it. It's all about perspective. Yeah, agreed. I'm nodding my head down too. <laughs> <laughs> like such a good point. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about probably what people have the hardest time doing, women especially, setting boundaries. How do you set boundaries? Why is it so hard for us? What can we do to get better at it? Yeah, I, oh, I'm, tra- I'm struggling so hard with this right now in my life. It's not something that I would say I was um, consciously modeled much as a child. No punch, you know, like no hating on my parents because they're beautiful, wonderful, amazing humans. But I didn't see or I didn't notice them doing and practicing boundaries um, with us in a very um, kind of, I I don't want to say strict, that's not the right word, but in a very like formal way. So this was something that was a huge, is, is still a huge challenge for me as a parent in trying to figure out like, what are my boundaries with my children and my husband and my family Um, and communicating those or starting to learn how to go about practicing these boundaries. And so I would definitely say I'm I'm, I'm a work in progress here and it's been a little awkward for sure with um, some of the people I'm closest to in my life of trying to say no or uh, practice some of these things differently. But ultimately I think it's around stating your needs and to ensure that the people around you who love you really understand that you are preserving your self-worth and that your needs are respected. And so uh, you don't need to hopefully ever feel shame or guilt about setting some of these boundaries. Um, And maybe you need to be a little flexible with them, but it's really about, you know, honoring yourself and making sure that the people around you honor you as well and what you need to do for yourself to take care of you. Yeah. And definitely coming back to why, like you said, telling them exactly healthcare and being very clear about why you are setting this boundary. And just like Dr. Sue says, the people who matter don't mind and the people who mind don't matter, you know? And I think as long as we can be clear about that, it should be something that's pretty accepted. And if it's not, then that could potentially be something to discuss as part of your relationship. Like, why don't you accept my boundaries? But yeah, um, for me, I have had a different, a little bit of a different upbringing in that I think my, my parents did model boundaries to us almost to like, I don't want to say an extreme extent, but definitely, 
you know, the opposite end of the spectrum for sure. And so that is why I've come to this place where if for me, it's pretty natural to say no. And like I mentioned, maybe I do that too often. <laughs> Definitely something to discuss in another podcast. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like I have a pretty good handle on boundaries as it relates to other people. But what I've discovered, as I was just talking about, is my self-boundaries. Mm-hmm. Finally discovering my purpose and finally discovering work that, that fueled my passion. I learned that I did not know how to set boundaries at all with that. And so that was definitely a really great lesson that I had to take in of setting my own personal boundaries. So there's boundaries with other people, with other things, other work parts of your life. And then there's mm-hmm. health boundaries too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really proud of you. That's very hard when you're doing something you love so much, but also need to take care of yourself to keep going. And I'm really proud of you because there's so many competing responsibilities that you have and you I just have, having known you and grown up with you are just such a caring and loving person. So I see how it can be hard for you to be like, no. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Keish. Yeah, I can totally see that. So awesome. Um, I think that one thing that I kind of alluded to is that there can be a downside to having no boundaries and there can be a downside to having too many boundaries where we, Claire and I are kind of yin and yang in that Mm -hmm. respect. And it's not that one way is better than the other or one upbringing is better than the other. It's just that we have to now learn our tendencies and how to manage that as adults and how to bring ourselves into that quote unquote balance. Totally. And I think, um, I think it's about communication, right? We can change and evolve, but it really helps to share with ourselves and with others in our life, like what those needs are, what, why you're saying no, why you're saying yes, or just where you're at in the moment. So people can kind of tune in to, you know, all that's going on with you. For sure. Wonderful. Okay. So should we talk a little bit about how to say no. I think we covered Hmm. talking about why. Is there anything else that you've learned particularly in your experiences of of trying to say no more? Oh, this is so hard for me, Keish. It's um, like, I love it when you just said we're yin and yang because I've always been one of those people who wanted to care and wanted to give and share my love and it's taken me a lot of time and self-reflection lately to realize that like I can give so much away if I keep giving to myself. So for me saying no means I'm putting myself first and that that's okay. And I don't need to feel shame or guilt about that. It's the right thing for me. And if I communicate my needs properly, they will be met hopefully by those who love me and support me. Uh, And it's also really empowering to say no sometimes because it demonstrates to other people that, you know, they can say no too. Um, This is something I'm discovering with my family is that when I ask for childcare help, I I need my family to say no sometimes and I need them to know it's okay to say no to me and my family, uh, you know, my kiddos. And so... Often I feel like um, people 
forget to say no if they're worried about perceptions or if they're worried about, you know, people not liking them. And so they say yes, but it's hesitant or it comes at a cost. And this is something that I've experienced as a young person or as a woman. And so now I'm feeling much more emboldened and empowered to say no when I know it's not the right thing for me um, and making sure that people around me uh, see that too. And I would say as someone who struggled with this, that it can be really hard and it can be a big challenge when you have to model or do it for yourself, but that you're doing it in the best way that you can in the moment. And so it might be a little awkward or it might feel a little weird or people will maybe give you like the eye of like, what? You never say no. Um, and that's okay. It's, you, you might not get it right the first time you do it, but you'll eventually get there and you'll eventually, you know, hopefully it will start to feel more natural. Um, and you'll start to be able to say yes in, in moments where it really matters to you and it's the right thing for you as well. Um, and I just want to say that as a mom and as someone who has started learning and practicing meditation, something for me that's really helped me with saying no or setting boundaries is finding a mantra to keep me aligned with my values um, and to help guide me in these moments of maybe not knowing what to do or what to say is going back to my values and my mantras. So one of them that I say a lot to myself is, am I coming at this moment in this place in this scenario? Am I coming at this from a place of fear or from a place of love? And it's been a lot easier for me to say no when I realize I'm in a scenario where I'm coming at something from a fearful place. Um, and when I know I'm really coming from a place of love, I can say yes more, more, um, more confidently. So to not be so hypothetical with this, I'll give an example if that's okay, Keisha. Yeah, definitely. This, um, this has been really hard as a mom who wants to have play dates and do things for her kids. But sometimes I say no when people invite us out and it's nothing personal. It's just that um, I wanna come, I wanna share the space with my children and be around other people and their families when I'm in a good place, when I'm feeling positive and energized and loving and present. And so I have said no to friends and family who've asked me to come over, asked me to play with my kids when I'm not in that place. And when I'm coming from really feeling like I have to meet people's expectations, coming from this fear of not wanting to feel judged, that's when I know I need to say no to an opportunity. Um, and instead I'll focus on, you know, the play dates or the options to go out uh, when I'm feeling but I'm really ready to be around other people and really loving the space and the energy I'm giving off. I think that that's such a smart thing to do. I definitely love the mantra idea of keeping it, you know, you're going to need something to keep your boundaries and your focus on self-care top of mind. And, and I love that. And, and just the fact that, yes, you could say yes to all of the events, but if you're going to go and be, you know, Debbie Downer, mm -hmm. <laughs> then the people who are there would be like, well, why did you come in the first place? So just preemptively saying no is probably best for everybody involved, right? Yep. 
So that's such a, such a good point. And I think, you know, we talked about being really clear on why with people. And one other tip that I have that I use when I'm trying to make a decision about, because sometimes it is hard for me to say no, there are a few things that are hard for me to say no to. Um, I will get out my journal and I'll make like a pros and cons list. And I'll just say, okay, if I say yes, here's all of the things. If I say no, you know, here's all of the things or what are the pros and cons of saying yes. And just getting really clear on all of your thoughts, all of the thoughts that you have. I, I think that I've been really kind of harping on journaling lately because I've noticed for myself that when I keep everything in my head, it's unclear. And when I get it down on paper, all of a sudden I have an epiphany because all of my thoughts are laid out. I can see very clearly where I stand and then I can see which way the scale is tipping as well versus in your head, it's just all jumbled together, a bunch of thoughts and feelings and emotions and you don't know what to do. So that's another tip that I just wanted to throw out there is gaining clarity on how you actually feel about the situation so you can make the best decision. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think also to pull that back to the body, like how is your body feeling in that moment? So cluing in, like, is, are you sweaty or nervous or feeling a little shaky or feeling really calm or at peace or your heart's feeling, you know, very regulated. I think um, making sure that you're, you're mentally and physically cluing into what, what's going on. Yeah. Your intuition can tell you a lot. It can. So much. much. Yeah. Okay, great. So I think you're such a great example for, for women and humans just in general on, you know, self-care, being more aware and, mm-hmm. and managing everything, just all of the responsibilities that we talked about that, that you have. So what are your tips for the woman who has kids, doesn't have kids, just so many things going on and trying to keep it all together? Yeah, it's, it's such a challenge, right? I think our lives are busy. Our society demands our attention constantly. I I feel like we're set up to, I I honestly feel like we're kind of set up to fail in the environment of always expected to be doing your best and answering emails when you're at home and cooking dinner for your family and, you know, trying to do things that nurture your, your, your own self or your own soul. Um, So I've definitely struggled with this in in just grinding it out right literally racing around and going from moment to moment to moment to just make it all happen and what i've come to realize is that you burn out right and i think you have talked a little bit about this quiche too in that you physically will eventually not be able to keep going if you go so hard and you need to avoid that hopefully by listening to the signs better next time and start to clue in and and identify and connect with yourself to figure out what are those self practices that you can maybe do more regularly, more habitually to ensure that you don't reach that burnout point instead of, um, and just slow down. Right. I think this is something that doesn't have to happen overnight, but you can start to make, kind of small incremental changes to figure out what works and what doesn't and, um, and evolve as your needs and, and your daily life change. Um, and so for me, what's been really important to test or try lately is prioritizing communication with both myself and my family. 
and at times even my boss to say like, look, I didn't, I didn't sleep well last night. I'm not going to be able to put in the kind of eight hour workday you expect, but I will do my best today and I'm going to, you know, recharge and come in a little bit better tomorrow. Um, and that's hard. That can be a little vulnerable, but hopefully you have a safe environment where you can be that honest and transparent with your colleagues or your supervisor and hopefully they understand um, that you, they'll get the best work out of you when you are feeling you know um, supported to provide that work uh, and so some other things that I have been trying to is meditating and um, really prioritizing physical activity I know that's what my body needs and um, eating nutritious delicious food that tastes good and gives me the nutrients I need. Um, and then something that I have had to learn the hard way lately with burnout for me is a lot of it comes down to your mental attitude. Um, I used to feel guilty or ashamed or really mad at myself when I wasn't able to keep up at the same pace that I had before. Um, certainly, I think this is something mothers or parents do is we compare our lives um, before we had children and your, your life has all <laughs> changed forever once you, um, you know, become a parent. And so it's really detrimental, I think, to compare before and after because uh, you, you have totally, you have a completely different environment now as, as parents. So you probably will never be able to go at the same pace you did before when you were um, without, without children or maybe not partnered at the time or whatever it may be. Your former self is uh, gone and that's okay, but you should start learning more about what you need now instead of comparing to what you used to be. Um, so this has been really essential for me is kind of letting go of my expectations of what I should do or could do, but really learning and figuring out what I need to do to set myself up to succeed and set myself up to practice the best self-care practices I, I can. Yeah, that like really struck a chord with me when you said your former self is God. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners who don't know, I have always grown up not necessarily being sure that I want to have children and Claire knows. And so <laughs> when you said that, I was like, oh, brace yourself. Okay. Um, but no, I think that those are, those are such just deep points to hit for, for mothers. Obviously, I don't know from experience, mm -hmm. but just, yeah, just being real about the fact that you can't compare to your old life, that mm -hmm. life does not exist anymore. It is now this life. You figure mm -hmm. out what, you know, things are changed and you've got to kind of not start from scratch, but start over in terms of what you need and what your routines are going to look like. And so just being honest about that and, mm -hmm. and letting it go, letting it go. Yeah, absolutely. And I compare this self even, you know, we are in our early thirties, Kiwi, and we're not those young 18 year olds anymore either. And that's okay. Like, we're beautiful and we're healthy and we're strong, but I have gone down the path of feeling a lot of guilt or shame because I couldn't bounce back in the way I used to. And so I think for those of you who aren't parents, it's even just like letting go and of what you used to be able to do to move forward with 
all the things you're capable of now and have so much to look forward to moving forward. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're right. It's any life stage. We evolve, we change, things are different and you can't go back necessarily to the past. You can reminisce all you want, but Mm -hmm. you got to keep moving forward. So it's a good way to compare it. And then I just wanted to add one little thing, because I know you've traveled a lot in your lifetime Mm -hmm. and you mentioned just how you feel like we're set up to fulfill, to to fulfill, to fail in our society. (laughs) Um, And I agree with you. I think our society puts such an emphasis on work and being busy and working till exhaustion. And that's what people celebrate. And we really need to, I think we can do the work as coaches to help shift the world, but mainly America, because the rest of the world pretty much has it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our society to focusing on self-care and understanding that we only get one life to live. And if you're just going to spend your life chronically stressed and focused on things that don't necessarily really matter at the end of the day, what is the point? You know, and just if we can get like collectively everyone on that same page, then I think our our country will be a happier place. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's totally true. Yeah. So we're here doing the hard work, people. Yes, and it's hard. And it's uh, but it's so beautiful too. I mean, I think if anything on my journey I've learned that Sometimes what I used to think of as like my greatest weaknesses are actually like my strengths. And so the mental, when I kept talking about like my mental attitude for me, that's been so important to realize that like I can focus um, on the positive or I can focus on the negative and that's, that's a choice. And so I'm learning to focus Um, on the positive more and more and I think Keisha you do such an amazing job of that in your work as a coach and just motivating people and helping them kind of clean up their thought process so that they can be so much more attuned with themselves by staying um, you know focused on what really matters and and making those life changes that they need to to kind of get to the their best place yeah absolutely And so for anyone interested in starting a self-care journey, you know, this is something that you need to focus on. Uh, It's very similar to how we would advise you to start any journey, really a health and fitness journey. Just start small, you know, don't overwhelm overwhelm yourself by trying to do too many things at once. Start small, focus on, you know, the first thing that you think you might want to incorporate is probably where you need to start you know, your mind, you know yourself best. So start there and build a habit around it. And once you're consistent with it, then you move on to the next thing. And I think a big part of this also is figuring out what's going to be non-negotiable for you Mm -hmm. and what is going to be maybe something that can fall by the wayside and you make those important distinctions so that you can become as efficient as possible you know, with all of the things that you have going on in your life and still make time to practice self-care. But the ultimate takeaway, it's a practice. It's something that evolves over time. It's not something that may ever be perfect for you, but as long as you stay committed to it and you're intentional about it, you're right where you need to be. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for your time, Keisha. This has been such a 
pleasure talking to you about this and, and sharing my journey. So thank you for giving me the platform to do so. And um, just sending love and light to everyone out there who's, you know, taking a more active role in, in their own journey too. Thank you. So for people who don't know, I call Claire Clawbag. That's just one of the very weird things that we, that we do. And I'm not going to explain why, but that's an example of the strangeness. Yes. Thank you, Claus, for coming on and sharing your story and being open. And I'm, I know that there are so many people listening or women listening who are going to take so much from your journey. You're such, you're just such a great example of, of, of everything. And, and I know that you may feel like, what? I'm struggling, <laughs> but, but you're honest about the struggle and you're aware of the struggle and you're working on the struggle, which a lot of people can't say, but this is your opportunity if you're listening to take that first step. So, yeah, um, absolutely. sorry, one more thing before we go, mm-hmm. where can people find you? Oh, Kiwi, which is my nickname for you. Actually, it's Kiwi Butt in full, but let's stick with Kiwi to be appropriate. Um, I am just starting on my journey as a a life and creativity coach. So I'm a few steps behind you, but learning and loving all of um, this opportunity that's come to me. And so I'm on Instagram at Space. That's K-A-D-I-S-P-A-C-E. And that's really where I'm starting out some of my um, ways to reach people. Uh, And then if you're interested, send me a message and we can talk more. But I'm really at this phase of practicing on myself right now in my work. And it's been so exciting. um, And I hope to ramp up soon. But I'm also just loving where I'm at right now. Um, But always want to share tidbits of advice or just love. So definitely look me up on Instagram if you feel like you want to. Yes, go find her. She's amazing. One of my best, best friends from way back when. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it, got some good self-care takeaways, and we'll definitely be seeing you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Motivated and Mindful podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, go ahead and leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And if you didn't enjoy the podcast, then go ahead and keep your thoughts to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I love all kinds of feedback. So honestly, if there's anything that I can improve, I'd love to hear it. Rate, review, follow the podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts, and I'll see you in the next episode.